Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning, physically, and also if you're on the live stream, welcome to the family of God. Thank you for carving out time to grow in your relationship with God, grow in your relationship with other people as well. I believe strongly that scripture says that when we gather together, God does something greater in and through us that he can do if we're just always alone in worship of him. And so welcome this morning. Glad you're here. This morning, we're going to continue in our series called Invite, which obviously is designed to help all of us realize that God calls us to invite others into a relationship with him and others also to come and worship together unto him. And all of us in the room, typically most of us are here. Why? Because we have been invited by somebody. And so I just encourage you to be inviters here. But today we're going to continue in this series talking about Jesus' interaction with this Samaritan woman at the well. Back in 1970, I was nine years old. Now, I know you're already trying to do the math on that one, but I remember distinctly sitting in my bedroom with my brother Harry when the door flew open, our mom looked in, gave us the evil eye, pointed to us and said, you two were smoking underneath the junior high steps. She wasn't asking a question. She was making a statement. Upon closing the door, she made the phrase that every child hated to hear. You wait. In Luke chapter 18... Jesus says this parable, this story. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, a religious leader, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted." In the old portion of the Bible, the Old Testament in 2 Samuel, we read of this interaction of King David with the prophet Nathan. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it up. It grew up with him and his children. It shared his food. It drank from his cup. It even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now, a traveler came to a rich man, the, the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. 
David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. Back over in the New Testament, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus interacts with this young man. And it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I have been a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I like that line. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. What do all of these stories that I just shared with you, including my own, have in common? What they have in common is that they all have full disclosure. What does the word disclosure mean? The action of making new or secret information known. When our mom opened the door to our bedroom and looked in, pointed, said, you two have been smoking under the junior high steps. She was bringing full disclosure. When Jesus shared the story of the religious leader and the tax collector, the sinner, he was sharing a story of full disclosure, letting us know that God ultimately knows our heart. King David held sin of his affair with Bathsheba and then also the murdering of her husband so that he could take her as his wife for a whole year until God finally says, all right, I got to send Nathan the prophet to fully disclose this sin. This young man runs up to, I mean, he runs to Jesus, falls down on his knees because he wants to know what must he do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus fully discloses what he must do. He must sell everything and follow him because he discloses to him that your true God is your wealth. Full disclosure. 
As we continue in this series called Invite, with Jesus' interaction with this Samaritan woman at the well. This morning, we are going to see why Jesus invites her to full disclosure and why he invites us in our lives as well to full disclosure. To understand the story, we see that Jesus was heading to Galilee, that he cuts through Samaria, which as a Jew, they don't do. He comes to this woman at the well and starts to interact with her. She's a Samaritan woman. He goes across all the social norms or barriers. He interacts with a Samaritan. He interacts as a Jewish man with a woman, period, in public. They don't do that. He asks her for a drink. And then he offers her a drink, a drink of living water, which he says will quench her thirst ultimately. And what he was offering, offering her was eternal life. An eternal life that we talked about last week that not only has to do with quantity, the length of life, like for eternity, but also a quality of life, a different life, a transformed life for this life and for eternity. And as they continue in their dialogue then, the woman asks Jesus for this water. We read in John 4, 15, she says, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. And Jesus responds to her by full, fully disclosing her sin. What does it say here? He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So it's interesting. She asked him, well, give me this living water then. And he goes right to her sin, right to the epicenter of her wrong. You know, I don't know if Jesus ever read Dale Carnegie's book, you know, how to, you know, make friends and influence people or not, or the God of the universe. Not what you do, but it's what the God of the universe does. Jesus goes right to the central problem and pain in her life when she asks, give me this water. He doesn't beat around the bush, nor does he beat her up over her sin. He discloses it, but he doesn't stay on it and beat her up. Why does he do this? Because he realizes, number one, that full disclosure brings full life. Full disclosure brings full life. The first step to eternal life is to admit, to confess what is eternally dead in our lives. The sin we try to satisfy ourselves with leaves us continually thirsty and continually dead. And Jesus, out of love and concern, discloses it in our lives. 
Open confession is good for our soul. Nothing brings more ease, joy, freedom, more life to a man, a woman, a youth, a child than a frank acknowledgement of the evil in their life and the reality and understanding that God forgives it all. To get a picture of this freedom, this transfer of full disclosure, bringing full life, I want to share with you this New Hoper life story. So let's watch this video. Life before Jesus for me was um, a mess. I literally was living in darkness and um, consumed by depression and addiction and I literally would be mad in the morning for God waking me up. I mean, I just, I couldn't go on anymore. I was on my knees and I was crying out to God, finally just saying, why, why, why? You know, why have all these horrible things happened to me? You know, being a victim of abuse and from childhood to adulthood, um, a survivor of suicide and the Holy Spirit, like I said, just came upon me and, and spoke an audible voice. And I, I know I t when I share my testimony and I tell people that, I'm like, they can call me crazy all they want, but it was an audible voice that I heard. And I know God puts people and places in my life and people, after that, a woman came up to me and she prayed for me and just a whole bunch of people just kind of comforted me. And I know if that hadn't happened, I probably would have went home and tried to OD again. I know that Jesus and to Jesus, um, it was amazing, it was freeing, it was like such a relief that I was searching for so long. Like, I struggled to try to hold on for to this world and I held on to those sins and it's like I knew in my heart that he already knew my sins but I couldn't forgive myself more or less how was I gonna let God forgive me. They see it as a sign of weakness and I tell them that's the strongest thing I've ever done you know, was finally surrendered to God and, you know, let him forgive me of my sins. Um, how I see God transforming my life today is on a daily basis. And it's, I, I just have this joy that I didn't have before, you know, because I was always so consumed by my problems and my worries and my guilt and my shame. And now I have that joy in the morning, even when I go through my struggles and I mean, the problems that come with this world that we're all gonna still struggle with. As I always said, I don't do religion, I do a personal relationship with Jesus. And the reason why I don't do religion is because I'm not about the rules and I just feel like people are so judging about, you know, my visible appearance. And it's really important to be inviters um, to New Hope and to just spread the good news of Jesus and knowing that everybody is welcome, that he came for us all. I don't just go by saving grace, I go by daily grace now. And his plan is better than my plan could ever be. So we see in this story of the woman at the well that Jesus invites her to full disclosure. But in that brings life. And we hear that in today's life story of Francine when she fully just disclosed it all to Jesus, 
that he ultimately brought full life into her daily life, a full life which is eternal life. But full disclosure before Jesus doesn't just bring us this full life, this eternal life. What it also brings with it is full disclosure brings full worship, this full worship unto God. It's interesting in the story when Jesus discloses this woman's sin. In verse 19, she says, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. She doesn't say, oh, you are right. Oh, that's, she doesn't admit it. She just says, I see you're a prophet. I see that you know all things. So I agree with you, she says. But then she goes and asks this question. I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, said Jesus, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews." You know, it's interesting when he reveals and discloses her sin that she maybe tries to take him in a different direction and not focus on the disclosure of her sin. She asks him this theological question that has caused friction between the Samaritans and the Jews for years about where to worship. And as a Samaritan, she says, well, we worship on Mount Gerizim. You know, and that's the proper place to worship. But you Jews, you say we got to worship in Jerusalem. And so she's sort of saying, well, what is it? And some people think that maybe she's just trying to get away from talking about the disclosure of her sin, or maybe she realizes, wow, Jesus is a prophet. He may have the answer to this. But in this, Jesus responds and makes two statements. He says, worship is no longer going to be about location, about a place of just brick and mortar. And then secondly, he does say to her that the Samaritan worship is wrong, that your worship, your people are worshiping wrong. And he makes this statement and he reminds us that, hey, not all religions are equal here. Because the Samaritans were worshiping God, the big G, but they were also mixing it with all kinds of worship of other idols and gods that they made up, little g, because they intermarried with the Assyrians. So they were worshiping all kinds of false gods as well. And Jesus calls her on it and says, listen, you Samaritans are not worshiping correctly the true and living God. And he says that salvation is from the Jews, that they have it right. He's not saying that all Jews are saved, but he says salvation comes through the Jews. They have it right. So Jesus then goes on and he explains to her what true worship is in verse 23, 24. Yet a time of truth has come now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does Jesus mean by this? When he talks about worshiping him in spirit, here Jesus means that true worship must come from the depths of our being through his spirit coupled with 
our spirit, in relationship with our spirit, as opposed to just going through external rituals or ceremonies. You know, Francine talked about this, like, hey, I'm just, I'm not about religion, I'm about a relationship with Jesus. To worship God in spirit means to worship him with complete sincerity, meaning complete disclosure of what's going on in our life, whether it's our sin, whether it's our challenges, just to be real with him. Not with outward show or profession when our hearts are far from him. See, God knows when we come in and we just put in our hour here. We hit the time clock. We're like, all right, come on, you got to put it in and you leave. God knows that. What he's saying is, if you want to worship me in spirit, you worship me with everything you have in sincerity. You give me it all. You come in here, and if you're broken, be broken. If you come in here and you're giving thanks, give thanks. Give it my all. And we know that up front, James challenges us on that in our worship every week, to worship him, be real with him. Full disclosure. And he says, worship me in spirit and then in truth. To worship God in truth means to worship him as he has revealed himself in his word, the Bible. If you worship God as you make him up to be, apart from the truth of his word, you are worshiping a false God. And typically that false God ends up looking a lot like us. We end up just worshiping us. We create a God that we're gonna like. We cannot know the invisible God except as he has chosen to reveal himself and we have that revelation of who he is by his word. Best worship is full disclosure. It's a clear conscience, all centered on God's word. When we disclose everything to Jesus, we bring full worship to him and we bring full pleasure to him. That's why after Nathan the prophet confronted David about his sin with Bathsheba, David writes this in Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. That is what God calls full worship. Coming, being real before him in all our messiness and worshiping him in spirit and in the truth. In the truth, when we come fully disclosed, he forgives us, encourages us. So the ultimate location of our worship today is not that of brick and mortar, but the location in our life of the spirit, of our sincerity, of our worship and truth, God's word. Jesus teaches the woman at the well and us that full disclosure before him brings a full life, eternal life, one that's filled with not just quantity, but a quality of life, a transformation of our lives. And then secondly, it brings full worship, worship that is pleasing unto God. There's a prayer that is going to come up on the screen here. 
And it says, Jesus, to you I disclose my sin of. I acknowledge you as my Savior, my Lord, the giver of living water, eternal life. And this morning I want to give you the opportunity to disclose your sin or what you're wrestling with right now in your life unto him. And you know already, ultimately, he knows it, so he's just inviting you to release it unto him. And so when you came in this morning, there was a piece of paper on your chair, and I want you to grab that piece of paper. I want you to hold that piece of paper, and I don't want you to write on it, but I want you to write on it with your mind, and I want you to disclose unto him the areas of sin in your life as he disclosed them to the woman at the well. And I want you just to, in your mind, write on that piece of paper your sin that you need to disclose to him. And then in a moment after I pray, I'm going to invite you just to come out to the right, to come up to one of the garbage cans. And this prayer is in front of the garbage can. And I want you to pray that prayer and just disclose your sin unto him. And then there's a word written on that piece of paper. And the way to reveal what that word is, is up front, there are pens by the garbage cans. And you just take the pen in the fatter area of the pen, you push the button, and you shine it on the piece of paper. And after you read that word, throw the paper, throw your sin in the garbage and walk away free. We see in the story that after Jesus discloses the sin of this woman, that she literally runs back to the village, back to her town, and tells everybody she sees, come see the man who disclosed everything I have done, who told me everything. Not too many people are excited about that where they're gonna go and tell everybody. But why is it she did? Because she was free. She had full life. Eternal life. She was free. And Jesus invites her to full life and to full worship. He invites us to a full life and to fully worship him. And then he calls us to go out and to invite others as well to a full life and to fully worship him. So let's pray. Father God, thank you that you go right to the heart of the matter, our pain, our problems, that which is dead in our lives. And you want us to leave it with you, to dump it in the garbage, you want to disclose it because the reality is Lord when we fully disclose the sin in our lives it brings closure to our past and brings Christ into our future when we disclose our sin it brings closure to our past and brings you, Christ, into our future.
thank you in your name. Amen.